Let's drone out. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Drone Out. I never thought I'd see the day where we have uh, a big important company on. Um, he is very sleep. Oh my god, my laptop's kicked off in the back. I muted it on this. Wait, fail. What are those polka dot pants he's wearing? <laughs> And this is why we don't have important people from big companies coming on. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, that's never happened before. I'm surprised he's wearing pants, if I'm honest. <laughs> oh, one, one day I will, I'll print some boxes that say, like, I love Andy RC on the back of them. Oh. Speaking of who doesn't love Andy RC, Hobby King. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we've, we've got an Andy RC poster in the office, actually, and every now and then people just throw darts at it. <laughs> Is that, uh, is that really true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Little effigies that we burn and yeah, a little lock of hair on a voodoo doll that we poke holes in. Oh, man. That, that explains a lot, I tell you. <laughs> I supplied the hair. <laughs> I knew it, Jack. I knew my hair had gotten shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, hang on. Let me do this again. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Drone Out. Tonight we are joined by Andrew slash Frank. Hi. Uh, Hobby King's Most Wanted, Andy RC. Good evening. Uh, we are joined by Toby from Hobby King. Hi, guys. And my lovable favourite, Curry Kitten. Hello. And if anyone's wondering where Tony is, he's quit, gone insane, and moved <laughs> to America. He started up uh, Let's Tone Out, right? Yeah. So if you'd like to subscribe there, the website is www.letstoneout.org. I have to say, I really enjoyed last week's episode, which was just basically Tony getting banned, and then you spend an hour trying to unban him. I was getting all sorts of messages saying that Tony's quit the show and he's started his own thing. I can only wish. All, all I was thinking is, is this what happens when I don't turn up for a week? Yeah, it's all your fault, Andy. Yeah, so. Any volunteers to read out um, uh, people in the chat to say hello? We've got Underflicked in the chat, RC, Dude, Crash, Test Dummy, Long Range, FPV, Zero, Ladders. Uh, who else we got in there? Richard Warwick, Clive. We've got uh, Dave Story, Bill M, Andrea Haku. Uh, we have loads of people in the chat. Win, uh, following with style. Hello, everyone. Clive has donated a, a pound already. Where's the, the Where's the noise? No noise. Anyone? Noises this week, or we get banned. Yeah. Okay. Start. I'm loads of noise. You will instantly get a P45 and a ticket to go to Let's Tone Out. <laughs> Any noise is played. Right, can I ask some things about Hobby King then, please? Yeah, why are you yeah, banned? Because you opened a PayPal dispute. No, no. no I, where did you guys meet? Did you, you all went to Hobby King Live. Is that how you guys met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, we had Hobby King Live in the UK in Elmset um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, everyone, well, not everyone, but the chaps from Let's Drone Out um, were there and, and bumped into me. And it was really just sort of a chance meeting, wasn't it, guys? And they uh, they sort of 
in, you know, spoke about Let's Drone Out. I, I, I don't really follow um, podcasts too closely and, uh, and, and invited me on the show. So, yeah. Just, just to it. warn you, that's exactly the same way I bumped into them. And now I seem to be on every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unless you guys change your, your on-air time, I don't know if I'm going to be doing something like that. It's, um, yeah, it's 3 a.m. over here, actually. So, um, so where, where are you based then, Toby? At the moment, I'm in Perth in West Australia. Oh, right. Okay. Is that as, because we've had, um, we've had Final Glide Oz on the show before, and it's usually about seven o'clock. So is it, I, that must, I take that. Australia's a really big place. A real, yeah. So big, I take yeah. it must really. be a different time yeah, zone there. That's over in, uh, in Brisbane. So um, Brisbane is two hours ahead of us. So yeah, it'll be five o'clock. Chad, and that's not too bad. That's that's just an early morning, but 3 a.m. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, thank you for doing that. Well, so, where where are you guys all based? Are you guys all in the UK? Yeah, we're all about an hour away from each other. Um, but <laughs> yeah, what, you have to, what you have to remember is, an hour away is from one side of England to the other, and to us, that's very far. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we, we don't we, we're all an hour away from each other, and then NDRC is way up north. It's like the second really? secondary part of the UK. Yeah, I'm an, oh, I'm an hour. Exactly. And a, I'm an hour and a half. That's even. <laughs> <laughs> we never see him. <laughs> yeah, we should do. We should be better at that, really. But uh, yeah, every a lot. Most people are based down south near London, Brighton, and I'm in the middle. But they call it north because it's further than further than the bottom or something like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, cool. So it Pretty works. Much. So yeah. I, I so assume that... Oh, sorry, go on. Toby, when you're uh, not being uh, collared by random podcasts, uh, you're the now the CEO of Hobby King. Um, mm. So I'm wondering very interesting, Frank. <laughs> uh, Great question, Big Frank. <laughs> Could someone reboot Frank again? In any Well, that's a tough question. I'll tell you that. I think we all found it tough, let's be honest. Do you want him to answer in zeros and ones? Or... <laughs> all right, give up on me then. Why is your internet so bad, Andy? What have you got, Virgin Media or something? He can't even... No, he's now resigned. You can give up on me. He's just a picture that will move every 20 seconds or so now, I think. Maybe Frank was going to ask something along the lines of what exactly is involved in in running Hobby King all over the world? What is is your day-to-day life like? Yeah, right. Okay. Well, um, that's a great question. I'm still kind of learning that, if that makes sense. Um, I've only been in the role of CEO for maybe three weeks now. Um, It's a new role to me. Previously, uh, I suppose I was, well, I was one of the company's vice presidents and and, and that meant that I headed up one of the divisions of the company. So So, I looked after the sales and marketing and customer service side. But I had nothing to do with uh, warehouse logistics, um, IT operations. Um, you know, I had, I, I could put pictures on the website, but I couldn't really affect any major changes in the website. Um, so 
yeah, the my new role um, is a little bit different in that I get to fiddle and meddle in the warehouse and the logistics uh, side, the IT side, including um, any integrations with third-party vendors and that sort of thing. And um, how has the first three weeks been? It's been interesting. Um, we we we're we're a company of about 200 people. So the new teams that I look after now are about. I used to look after about uh, 60, and now now I've taken on the other 140. So I've just been meeting with people, trying to work out the bugs and the, and the issues. I mean, working in the sales and marketing and customer service side, I've always been at the front end of the the business in the sense that I deal with customers and and that sort of jazz and I see people complaining and I and I see issues popping up but I have no I, I've never had real power to sort of affect these things all I can do is prepare a report send it on to the other the other department and sort of hope that they fix whatever is going wrong um, but now I actually get to delve into it so that's exciting you know it gives me more ownership of of the entire service level that we're offering um, and the product range that we're offering. Um, but yeah, I'm only three weeks into it, so um, there's still plenty to learn. I'm still trying to work out wh what to do and and trying to focus my efforts on things that are probably going to ret return uh, the biggest changes the fastest. If that makes sense, does that does that answer your question? Yes, I guess so. And I, I, maybe I should ask the follow up question because I, I think it pops up every time people talk about Hobby King. They mention the website, so we should ask you about the website and uh, <laughs> how, how it is and, and how are you affecting change there? I didn't do that. I'd just like to point that out. <laughs> Frank's getting so, drunk now. Frank's giving up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, really, really good question. Um, we, the, one of the first things that I did when I got my new role is I sat down with the head of our IT uh, department and, um, and I mean, he, he's known that we the sales marketing side of the company hasn't loved the new website for at least two years now. So the first thing we did is we, we sat down with them and we tried to understand what are the challenges that they're facing? Because we see their department working really hard on the website. And we've got about 20 to 25 developers working full-time internally. And then we also outsource to a couple of other companies who help us stay on top of, of various parts of the website. And um, I suppose... The first thing that struck me was that it is huge. It is it, it, it's huge in the sense that it's so much bigger than small Shopify websites or WordPress websites. Like it's it's a genuine enterprise level um, website, which means that there's a, quite a lot of complexity. So it took us two days to go from woe to go on the things that the IT department's working on. There's about 245 known issues right now that they've isolated that they're working on. The big question from us was, well, why did we go live with a website that we knew had bugs? And um, and the answer to that is that the, they, the IT team generally didn't know that it had bugs, um, and neither did two of the third-party vendors that we worked with. Um, when apparently a lot of these bugs really only show themselves when you put the website under load um, and you know, with us, we're running seven nodes around the world because now we, we've changed um, from physical servers to cloud-based servers. So that was a big infrastructure change for us. Um, scaling each one of those nodes at, at different times um, is more complex than what it used to be. Um, 
so yeah, there's there's a ton of intricacies behind it, but um, it's something that we're absolutely working on. And again, they're focusing on issues that they think are going to um, deliver results as quickly as possible. So, for instance, something that's going live this week. It might, oh, actually, I think it might have already gone live yesterday, or the day before. Was the filter system? You know, you used to have to select a filter, and then the page would refresh, and then select another filter, and the page would refresh, and that was causing a lot of consternation because every time the page refreshes was like a, a, a five or ten second issue in areas where our nodes weren't loading the content as quickly as possible. So now they've they've implemented something that allows you to select multiple filters and then apply all. On top of that, they've they've built in a better, more powerful content distribution network which loads all the images in that much faster. They've dropped a lot of the redundant SQL queries in the back, and, and they've minified the CSS and the jQuery on the front of the site. So, yeah, it is getting faster. I think it's taken page load times from like eight seconds down to three or four seconds, which is more palatable, but it's still not perfect. I think best practice is around one second. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something they're working on. Cool. So, it uh, looks like we've had a Tony turn up, but it's not dark where he is. What's, got, what's happening, Tony? Can't hear you. He's muted. Can someone unmute Tony? Can't unmute him. He's got to unmute himself. Tony, you need to unmute yourself, mate. He's not. He's not. He's got... You're an idiot. Is he going to ban himself again? <laughs> no, that, that was me. Someone said, I thought someone muted him, and don't you need to unmute Microphone him? button, Tony. Well, it looks happy anyway, and it looks warm it looks and warm. sunny. That's good stuff. Hey, we had a, a couple of questions in, which are, are quite interesting because they're kind of connected to what we talked about with Toby when we met him. Um, Underfluke is saying, in terms of growth, we hear a lot about drones being a huge growth opportunity worth billions of pounds, dollars worldwide. Uh, Hobby King seeing any of this growth in real terms. Um, and another one... and. and Underflute again saying, what percentage of our C cells are quadrilated? Is this increasing or stagnant? Because we were talking about, you were talking about, has the quad bubble reached its its peak and is, is actually coming down again? Yeah, uh, well, um, from our experience, we experienced, gosh, sorry, it's 3 a.m., so my brain is like, <laughs> that's Come um, on, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. English so, is not his favourite, uh, no, first language. It was Australian. Um, <laughs> What's your first I, I don't know language? what to do with my hands. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah look, drones were huge for us between 2012 and 2015. We, we had never experienced growth like that before. And even in our formative days, we were experiencing annual growth of 20% annually and you when you compound that over over three years you, you double the size of the company every three years so you know the the quad uh revolution i suppose you could call it particularly when racing drones had only just hit that growth for us was extraordinary um we saw that peter off between 2015 to the beginning of 2017 and then our experience since then has been um, a steady decline. Now, um, that doesn't mean that uh, groups aren't growing. It just means that it, it might not be growing as quickly. And our company operates across um, 
the five major categories. So that's planes, boats, cars, and airplanes, and 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 what used to be helicopters. And um, and we had users in each one of those categories testing out drones, um, and that obviously contributed to the growth. But then I think uh, they might have gone back to their original sort of passion, like maybe planes and and cars and whatever. Um, so what we're left with is is a drone community that didn't really exist there before. But I mean, we at at, at one point you, we we simply couldn't stock drones quickly enough. Now, in terms of the uh, question about it being a billion dollar industry, I mean, like there's a huge amount of hype um, associated with drones, and um, you sort of got to split them into two camps. So you've got the hype masters who are coming along with. Um, just the drone industry in general. They're talking not just about consumer drones, but they're talking about commercial applications and industry and that sort of thing. And that's obviously worth a huge amount of cash. And then um, on the consumer side, you've got companies like DJI who've really almost consolidated the market with their offerings. Um, it was a much more competitive market maybe three years ago, um, but they've drowned out, uh, say, 3D Robotics, who, who we all thought was probably going to be one of the, the strongest competitors. Uh, Unique, uh, when Unique came to market with their obstacle avoidance drone, I mean, DJI had such a large market share and such huge margins in their products that they just halved the price of, of their premier drone and, um, and, and just destroyed the business case for Unique. Um, but I don't think so, – so that's just the consumer drone side. But then the other side is the drone racing side. So that's how we segmented in, in Hobby King. We, we keep the drone racing and freestyle guys sort of separate to the commercial and um, consumer drone guys. And um, we don't see much growth anymore in the, in the drone racing side of the community. In fact, if anything, we've seen quite a lot of um, contraction in that market. And that's sort of been reflected in uh, some of our competitors who who we know have also experienced these these issues, and 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 some of our suppliers uh, who've experienced you know a contraction in their in their markets too. I think if you were going to ask anyone um, for real numbers, because it's difficult, like we might be losing customers to someone else um, or gaining customers from someone else, but I think if you were going to ask um, for probably the best data. It'd probably be at Fatshark with Greg French, because you know most drone racers will get into drones to the point where they want a really serious set of goggles, and um, <clears throat> to my experience, most people are buying Fatshark goggles. So, if you wanted really good data, you'd look at your Fatshark sales. Um, and talking to Greg, I think we're about 30 or 40 percent of his of his market, and and we don't see huge growth in in Can goggles. I? We're still selling a constant amount, but we're not. That, that we're not selling 20% growth on growth, you know? Can I just ask, because that, that what you're saying is consistent with anyone that we've had on, on the show. My question is, um, is, there, is it the same when it comes to consumer drones such as DJI? Is that in decline as well as the race drone? Or is it, because I have a theory that people come to race drones, they see it's too difficult, got to get their head around beta flight and filters they and then they go this dji thing does all i want and that's so how do you see i suppose do you you don't really deal with dji though kind of stuff do you uh, toby, no, 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 we do. toby we do you don't have to answer that objection that was a leading question uh <laughs> what do you mean a leading question <laughs> permission to treat him as hostile <laughs> 
on. No, I'm um, I'm I'm fascinated by the industry, and yeah, as as uh, having an RC channel and speaking to other people, speaking to suppliers, speaking to everyone, the 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 race drone thing is in a slight decline. But I, because I don't really uh, have much to do with the the camera drone, and I mean I've got one, but my cha- my channel's not about that. Is that also in decline as well compared to, you know, the start? Um, we do have the, a lot of consumer drone offerings. Um, what we've found is that if it's not DJI at the moment, it's just not selling. Um, the, the, oh, well, it is selling, but it just in far smaller numbers. You know, the, the stuff that is really entry level, almost toy grade, that is super, super, super cheap. That stuff's selling, and it looks like people are using that to dip their toe in the water. Yeah. And then the moment they're happy or confident, they'll they'll get a Phantom, um, or you know the 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 Mavic Air or the Mavic Pro. Um, so we're still experiencing growth in that, like single digit growth. But with those models, we're dealing. Well, we're competing with um, like big chains. Yeah, we're competing with Best Buy, and um, you know just large. Genuine Apple and uh, things like that. FMCG electronic chains, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's it's interesting, but I find it sad at the same time. And I try, I think about this a lot because um, I see the interest in race drones and copters <coughs> declining. And I think it's I th- I think there was a huge explosion, and I think it was people got you know having a go at this new thing, and then realizing that. You have to be an expert and beat a flight. There's no return home. And when you crash, you've got to, you know, it can get expensive and, and replace things. And uh, I don't I don't think, um, I think that's going to keep happening. Um, there's always going to be a community of people that, that obviously mm-hmm. like flying race drones. But there was this huge explosion, like you say, 2015 up to 17. And, and it, it's just gone like that. I think things like beat a flight, is too complicated. I think that needs to get more simple, and maybe even G- GPS. Although it does seem to be coming to race drones, I think that now the GPS technology can get smaller. I think that that will help it. But yeah, it's just, it's sad to see it in in decline because it's uh, it's it's fun. I I'm I find I mean I've got DJI stuff, but you know after 10 minutes of flying you've got all your footage you know you can't do loops and spins and things you know so yeah it's actually really funny you mentioned that i sold my uh dji drone yesterday i had this uh, great little mavic air and it's the second time i've done it like i buy one i think oh this is great i'm gonna get some great footage here um i took it on holiday with me a couple of weeks ago and i didn't even take it out the box um and it was just basically because like how many times can you see an aerial shot you know it just kind of gets a little bit samesy after a while so yeah and 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 the thing is there's no challenge to fly them um yeah so yeah i I find them kind of boring they're almost i don't even know if you can even consider them an rc product anymore they're they're so good now that they're almost just like um more of a photography tool than anything else i've got a friend who describes it as a giant eyeball that you push around the sky as opposed to something you'd actually fly. It's almost like a crane. Yeah. It's almost like a crane, a camera crane, isn't it? Yeah, like it? a tripod or something. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of how I see them, and it just sort of, it just to me, it makes it uninteresting. Um, yeah, I, I originally bought it to put it up uh, just over the beach. I don't know if you guys know, but where I live, there's a huge. I'm not going to say problem, but there's there's a lot of sharks, right? 
and um, and I put it up above the beach before I'll, I'll go for a surf or something, purely to see if there's anything in the water. And then uh, if there is, obviously I land and go home and um, and just thank God I didn't go in the water that day. But most more often than not, there's nothing. But even that, I was just I just got to the point where you know like it kind of saps the joy out of it. Um, yeah, it does. There's only uh, there's only so much. Yeah, so that and it makes me wonder about. But but that's the thing though that they're just so easy to fly. Anyone can buy one. So I think that's why that's increasing. And maybe it needs to be that on the race drone side. I think I think we need GPS. We especially now as we're as we're going long range with Crossfire R9M, and we need some more safety features on our race drones. And I think that that maybe might claw people back hopefully i'm hopefully because i just don't want it to decline to a point where oh it's not even worth talking about anymore you know well it's it's the is the other answer is is it going to go a a different way so a question we've had in the chat from uh crikey who i was out flying with the other day is do you think there's any chance we might see an explosion in small inexpensive wings for racing in the same way that happened to quads because um it used to be the fact that you, you know planes were like two meter wingspans and then you've come down to the techs got better so you've got tiny little flight controllers things like my nav in tiny little wings which don't have the same issues with space and you can chuck them in the car and they handle the wind better um do you, do you think that's going to be a thing well uh around i don't know if you guys well i'm sure you guys remember the the drone um world championships that were in hawaii um there was a lot of talk around wings and that around that time and um and we jumped all in and and we started developing a bunch of wings and and a few of them came to market and um, we saw that the people buying them weren't necessarily drone races or former drone races yeah well exactly the tomahawk's one of them um so um yeah we saw that the people buying them were more airplane guys who wanted to sort of dip their, their finger in the water rather than drone races who wanted to sort of try something else and um yeah, I think these things get pushed by the communities that are using them, and and I still think in those in like if you're comparing race wings against um, uh, drones, drones would have to be ten to one at the moment because I just don't feel like race wings have captured the imagination in the way that drones did when they first came along. Um, I think they're struggling to hit that critical mass where where people will go buy one because they know that there's going to be a race on at their local club with wings. Yeah, although I, I kind of feel that although there's lots of talk about race drones and people buying them, there's um, a lot of people just sort of flying recreationally, you know, like there's a tree in the field, I can loop around it and do some fun things, yes. much the same way yeah. that you do with wings. You go out with a couple of mates and you just chase around and crash a lot and uh, that's sort of where the fun's to be had rather than getting into the nitty-gritty racing of it. Yeah, personally, I actually have more fun with a wing flies kind of slowly that I can do like proximity stuff with and go through trees and that sort of jazz rather than something like we've got this this product called a uh, sidewinder and it does like 100 miles an hour but I find by the time I see anything <laughs> it's too late you know so um yeah I much prefer those uh, smaller wings that you know made out of EPP and and I can sort of you know chance my hand at going going closer to things or flying through things I, I just find that more fun Oh, Underflooped has uh, donated £10 on the Super Chat. Thank you, Underflooped. Um, we've got a question here from Droning On. So this is Ash. Um, he runs a um, review YouTube channel like me, and he's asked the question, 
Um, he doesn't seem to get approached. Oh, here we go. It says, I'm approached by other retailers all the time to work on reviewing items, except for Hobby King. It says, uh, does Hobby King want to work with creators more, is the question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've, we've kind of dropped the ball a little bit in that regard. Maybe 2012, we were very lucky that we didn't have a great deal of competition in the market. And most people would sort of contact us and ask us whether or not um, we wanted them to review a product. Um, that dynamic's changed now. With so much competition in our industry, we find that um, good reviewers and, and YouTube channels are bombarded with options now, with really aggressive companies chasing them down, almost shoving their products in their hands. Um, Hobby King's never really been good at that push, like trying to trying to push it into people's hands. They've kind of more relied on the pull from customers or, mm -hmm. or from reviewers asking to review it. But, um, yeah, look, if, 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 if you run a, a successful YouTube channel out there um, and you want to review some of our product, just email us, uh, marketing at hobbyking.com, and, and you'll definitely get a reply from someone. There you go, Ash. That's what you got to do. Get emailing. <laughs> What's, uh, yeah. What about the... Green Patches asked Toby about the rag the nuts off over losing it over the sting or whatever that wing was called. It went flutter or some shit. I had a good laugh. Does anyone know what he's on about? Yeah, he's on about... I don't know if Toby know about it. This is Matthew Ogborn that runs the rag the nuts off channel who buys a lot of wings. And he got the stinger. Um, and it's, it's one of these like 100 mile an hour plus. I think it's about like a one meter wing or something. And he was saying, like, full throttle, if you increase the prop size, the wing gets flutter. And I think he ended up returning it or something. Um, but that's all I know. Yeah, so I think that product was, um, I think it was put to market with <clears throat> a, a prop that was inappropriate. Um, so before the product went on sale, the, the right size propeller was provided to everyone. And uh, with using the, the, the supplied propeller, the product had no dramas. It was still ridiculously fast. Um, but when you when you increase the prop uh, pitch, I believe it was the product went faster, and the and the wing just wasn't designed to handle that speed. So, I suppose when you when when guys are, are changing things and modifying things, and then the product doesn't act as anticipated, and then they go and they rip it to shreds in, on on their channel, it's not really fair. You know, it's it's not fair to the product and it's not fair to the company. And you could probably argue that going after a product so publicly um, after you've modified it um, is more about like a sensationalist uh, attempt to try get views, a little bit like a like a gossip magazine photoshopping a celebrity's photo. Yeah, they're really just doing it for traffic. That's yeah. Shocking. That never happens on YouTube and they never create <laughs> titles that might manipulate their audience yeah but you know if, if it works for him um you know good luck to him i think most most viewers are, are probably smart enough to to say well he wasn't using the factory supplied prop um any experience issues too bad so sad cool so one of the things because um again we mentioned when we chatted to you at hobby king like um about the sort of new competition with the big box shifters like Banggood and Gearbest. And you made the point that what Hobby King does that's different is develop products as well. So is this through 
Um, because I know some of the some of the sort of companies you own or brands you own like Durafly and Turnergy and Orange RX is is this sort of all your development things that come in? So all the new planes coming through these uh, these companies? Yeah, yeah. So there is um, there's two types of development that we do. So we do stuff um, completely internally. We've got a team of about twenty engineers, and they are predominantly focused on radio and charger stuff and flight controllers. Um, so we, I mean, we kept on iterating the KK2 board for many years until the open source community um, came up with better alternatives. But then uh, we, uh, we turned our hand to speed controllers and radio gear and uh, telemetry and, and that sort of thing. So we do try innovate in, in that space. The other kind of design that we do is working with factories. So um, we'll have um, our, one of our uh, category managers coming up with concepts and ideas. And, and normally that stuff's all feedback from the community that they've seen online. And they'll feed that back to a factory and then start going through the process of um, getting prototypes and, and that sort of thing, doing their best to try bring it to market. Um, innovation for us, it, it, it's it's really, really, really important, and we're going to be pouring more and more and more money into it, mainly because of the amount of um, competition that we're seeing from um, Chinese vendors, and uh, and and we feel that because yeah, we, because we're a hobby-focused company, particularly when we're working against companies like Banggood and those sort of guys, they don't necessarily innovate. And 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 the good thing for us is if we do bring a product to market that is truly different, they take at least six months to copy it, right? Which by then, hopefully, we've sold enough volume out there to have justified the initial um, designs and we've we've moved on to the next iteration. So hopefully, they're always one step behind. Cool. Where are we, Frank? Do you want to have a go at talking? Because you posted some... Uh, just try. You posted some questions. Okay, you'll, you'll have to let me know whether or not you can actually hear me. Or whether it's just bleepy bloopy noises. Alright, cool. Just talk slowly. <laughs> and I will oh <laughs> go. Okay. Um so Green Patches in the chat earlier said the EF Extra is awesome. And I just wanted to put that in there as well because that is awesome. It's good fun I agree. to watch. <laughs> yeah. It's good fun. Um and the the, the graphenes as well. I mean, that kicks everything up. So, kind of wanted to add those in there. Um, one of the things I kind of wanted to add on from what uh, Curry was saying about the the wings, uh, little racing wings earlier, um, with uh, focus kind of coming off of the the drones. Um, is there any other areas that um, or sort of trends that you kind of see coming up that you think you might want to focus on, or will you just kind of keep it? spread across RC generally? Yeah, um, we're, we're, I don't see necessarily any major trends that are just exploding because, I mean, drones were a bit of an anomaly. Um, they were led initially by the innovations that were coming through in mobile phone technology. So um, mobile phones had the accelerometers that um, just kept on getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, the community realized those accelerometers could be used to manipulate speed controllers. And before you knew it, you had your first sort of flight controllers and, and things sort of progressed from there. And the accelerometers were the same ones used in the multi-wee boards. And that's sort of how, how you, you came along with the um, multi-wee speed controllers, uh, sorry, flight controllers. So 
that was a major innovation driven by something outside of the industry, which was the mobile phone industry getting smaller and smaller. We don't see anything bringing such new radical technologies along um, in a lot of our other categories right now. So, um, I mean, the drone boom uh, allowed us to focus on drones, and now we've got this great range of drone products. I think we've got something like 15,000 drone products, and we're going to keep adding to that because that, that consumer base for drones is still there. The community is still there. But Hobby King is probably, well, not probably, definitely um, refocusing back to our original strengths and our core strengths. One of the reasons that made us very, very big in the beginning was uh, fixed wing. So, um, you know, I've seen it myself. My passions lie in fixed wing. Um, when I first joined the company, there was just, you know, choice for days. And it blew my mind that that a company could cater to so many different aspects of fixed wing flying. Um you know, as of a couple of months ago, I was browsing our site for, for fixed wing stuff, and there's still plenty in there, but we haven't really added to it much in the last three to four years. And I was talking to our sales and marketing team and our category management team and, and engineers, and they were saying it's because we'd poured a lot of our resources into drones. So we're going to refocus a lot of those guys back into fixed wing and planes. And um, I mean, I was looking at our um, development pipeline uh, yesterday and the day before, um, we normally only brought to market of our own design planes, maybe five or six of our own design planes a year. Um, currently, for the next 12 months, we've got over 50 slated for um, for release. So, yeah, we're not going to be chasing any new trend that we think is going to drive growth, but we are going to be refocusing back to our original customer base, which was fixed-wing planes. And that's really exciting for me because being a plane enthusiast, Looking at some of the the, the examples of, of products that they're working on right now, some of that stuff is super, super, super cool. And are these planes across everything? So like gliders and sort of fast EDFs and sort of FPV things. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got um, we've got a. It's not like a hard and fast rule, but we've we've segmented planes into. Um, I think there's five major disciplines. I, I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, but you've got your sports scale, um, beginner, uh, jet, or, 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 or people who want to go fast. So something like the EFX would, would appeal to someone who's into ducted fans and into sports scale. Um, and a few other sort of segments like scale and, and that sort of jazz. And occasionally a product comes along that ticks a lot of boxes. So um, we had a product that can fly slowly, but it can also um, – do some mild aerobatics, and it was scaled, so it, so it falls into a couple of those categories. We try, when we're developing a new product, to not have too much grouped in any one of those quadrants. So we don't want to bring to market 16 gliders, you know, we, um, and to the expense of doing no ducted fans. And we don't want to bring to market 16 ducted fans without doing any high-wing stuff. Um, but yeah, this, I think the 50 or, or 55 models that I saw the other day, there's a really good spread across the spectrum. There's there's some really fast stuff. There's some unusual stuff. Um, there's some sports scale stuff. Um, and these are not, they're like genuinely new models. Like we've brought out a lot of rehashes recently with new color schemes, but these, these new models are actually like properly, you know, from scratch, 3D renderings, just totally different. And do you get to uh, do you get to uh, try those out? 
Do you actually get? Some yeah, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I try to be respectful of um, <clears throat> of the designers and that sort of thing because those guys are the ones who want to test fly it. And um, if I, if I'm lucky or if I have time, I'll go along with them when they're testing a prototype that's at CNC stage, um, and they'll give me a quick quick fly. But um, yeah, we try to give them a lot of autonomy, and and the decision's completely up to them. Like I, I yeah, I don't. I think it would be a pretty dick move if they'd done all this work to get a product ready for market, and I just swoop in and I'm like, "All right, guys, I'm going to take it from here," you know. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're pretty kind to me. They let me fly stuff from time to time, which is pretty good. And and the way our company works, um, yeah, there's probably ten airplane enthusiasts around the company, and uh, we're a really flat organization, so it's not uncommon to have a sample shifted from office to office or from person to person to to just say, hey, what do you think? You know, um, like we've got this guy in the UK. He uh, he's, he's 70 years old, wonderful pilot, um, and he's just been sent the uh, first production sample of a plane called the Albatross, which is like a, fly, a flying boat, a twin-engine flying boat. And that same model has done the rounds in our Hong Kong office, our Sydney office, me in Perth, um, over in the Netherlands, and now it's... Um, with him in the UK and all of us consolidate our notes um, and then our notes are fed back to the, whoever's designing it. And then that person works with the factory to make sure that whatever comes to market reflects um, any feedback that we've, that we've put into it. What's, what's the typical sort of drawing board to production model that's available on the store then? Sounds like quite a, quite an iterative process that, that takes a while then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, if everything goes absolutely perfectly, it takes us around six months to bring a market a, a product up from from the first concept meeting to the first sale, um, but nothing ever seems to go perfectly. So, um, so you know, for us, I think the longest I've seen a product take to get to market is about two years. Um, our average would have to be around twelve months, um, and that's you know, um, the six month thing is really. If, if the person designing it had nothing else on their sh on the, on their to-do list, you know, if they were only working that one model and everything just went swimmingly and there were no major um, things that needed to be changed. So I, I don't know if you guys actually know the workflow of, of doing a model, but what would happen is um, someone in the office would say, hey, I've got this great idea. Um, we'd put it to a, a, a chat with a few of the other airplane guys to see whether or not they thought it had legs. If no one else thought it had legs, I mean, there's a right of appeal. So they would they would go to someone and say, "Look, I'm I'm convinced that this is going to be the best, and 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 it might get pushed through anyway. Otherwise, we we might push it through as a group." That would go to one of the aeronautical engineers who would do a 3D design, and that would normally work its way through SolidWorks to make sure that the design made sense. Um, that would get uh, put into a, a huge CNC machine, which would do a CNC out of a, a solid block of foam, which is a super expensive thing to do for a model, actually. Um, and then some, someone would go through and, and custom install all of the servos into the CNC. We'd do a test fly of that product, um, bearing in mind that CNCs are always a little bit heavier than your final production or final mold uh, of the plane, and, and, uh, and they, ne they never seem to be as strong. If we liked the CNC and we didn't want to make any changes, then we might um, do a first mold. And, and, and a mold is... It's almost like a one-meter cubed block of steel that has been CNC'd from the inside, right, in, in two halves. 
and that is what we use to inject mold our foam. Now those molds, they're incredibly expensive. They're, they can they can be up to thirty, forty, fifty thousand US dollars just to have the mold made. Um, so you, so when you when you go to mold, you've got to be damn sure that you're pretty close to to that product being perfect. Um, and we've normally got about three or four changes that we make on a mold um, after after we've commissioned it. And then, uh, and then, it, like you said, it turns into that iterative process of, of producing five or six um, uh, prototypes, and each prototype will go through different changes, um, like different flaps, different servos, different motor combinations, until we're happy with it. And that can take a couple of months in itself. Um, can I propose a uh, flying potato? <laughs> can I entertain you? It's something me and Absolutely. Frank worked on. And uh, yeah, I think you might be very interested. It's like, uh, <laughs> especially seeing as you guys try to sell those snap together things. It's kind of yeah. like that, but you just jam it in a potato and then you fly the It'd be potato. very popular in Ireland. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Speaking of which, though, um, Andrew, I think, is trying to relate to you. I think he's drinking Fosters. Are you drinking Fosters, Andrew? <laughs> I am drinking Fosters. <laughs> oh, look at that. Trying to Trying to make you feel at home. There you go, and, and I'm rocking a cup of tea, so back at you. Hey. <laughs> oh. oh, you two bonding together. Um, yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah, we haven't got the noise. The, uh, Frank's drinking cans of Thunderbird cider. <laughs> the show pushes it to them. What's that? What is it? VB, the green beer stuff that you Aussies like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. VB just caused a huge stir in Australia. You've got... Um, all these like craft beer snobs, and uh, they had a, a recent, um, a recent, I don't know, craft beer competition, and VB um, secretly went and entered one of their uh, beers into, or not one of their beers, their main beer, VB, into this craft beer competition and won the competition um, because it was done through blind testing. So, um, yeah, they're causing a bit of a stir down here because, of course, all the craft beer nerds were up in arms that uh, a commercial beer manufacturer had won. Their craft beer competition just with a bog standard lager. Uh, oh, oh dear! Only in Australia. Are you are you a mighty cod, uh, mighty uh, mighty uh, car mods fan? Uh, yeah, those guys are amazing. That um that um, what is it? The oh, man, the <laughs> Mac, the the Fury Road guy. I've forgotten the name. It's like a famous Australian movie. Fury Road. Fury Road. Oh, shit. Curry Kitten. Famous solo movies. Mad Max. Australia. Mad Max. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Thank you for that. The uh, the 200SX that they did up in a Mad Max scheme um, with that crazy V8 hanging out the front. I mean, that thing was amazing. And uh, I actually got to see that thing live, and it was just ridiculously loud. It made my ears bleed. It was fantastic. It looks mental. That thing, like, all it does is, like, kick up dirt, and they busted the rear... The rear window didn't they and it whilst making it it was horrendous yeah yeah we actually provided them uh with some uh batteries uh, a couple of years back when they were doing an ev vehicle um they did like an ev uh conversion for something so that was really fun those guys are awesome and they're really really down to earth uh, which which was awesome for us but, you, um, um, you worked with peter as well didn't you on on his uh, well hobby king did right with the with his flying foam plane Perhaps not aware of Peter. Peter Stripple. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I thought he said Hobby King supplied 
It's impossible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, look, Pete's a, a crazy guy. He's 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 such a crazy, awesome inventor. Um, I got to meet Pete in one of the air shows in, in the States uh, when he'd just done this plane. He was like one of the first people who could do something that could genuinely transition from vertical flight to um, to like horizontal flight. Um, mm. And he didn't even do it with a flight controller or anything. It was just it was quite quite a simple design. But yeah, he was he was that was before he joined Flight Test. He he's a really really cool guy. And um, some of the ideas that he comes up with and the planes he does are just awesome. I really enjoy watching his vids. Were you worried as well that he was going to live stream his own death? I, I really like his channel and the guy, but I was so worried about him going up in that plane. It's like it's that's half the reason people watch, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. I I literally believe that his parents bought that puppy to try and ease the loss of their son. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I tried to, I, I've had a few emails with him about coming on the show and then he just got too busy and I've never been able to like catch up with him since. But yeah, I've emailed him a few times. But His, um, his channel's gone crazy. I mean, he's, he's talking like get more views than flight test just on his own, isn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. And, and flight test really exploded when he came on the scene um so i think they really miss him yeah definitely for me he felt a little bit stilted on flight test since he's gone to his own channel he's gone really he's gone full peter i would call it <laughs> yeah totally I, I'd, I'd agree with that for sure tony's just on holiday tony will be back <laughs> of like literally the last thing in chat do you also, know one thing we one thing we haven't asked Toby is how how did he get started in RC and we've talked a lot about planes. Was it through RC planes yourself? That's your passion. Uh, yeah. Well, um, my so my my mum remarried when I was really young. Um, I think I was uh, six, and the new the new guy who later became my uh, stepfather, he was, I guess, trying to relate to me or try, trying to get to know me a little bit. And, um, and he took me to a local hobby shop and he, he said, you know, let's, let's try something. Let's, let's, let's buy one of these products. And as a six year old, you're like, yes, absolutely. Let's buy everything. Um, and he said, look, you know, you can choose, you can, you can, you can have a remote control car or you can have a uh, remote control plane. And, and this is in the eighties, um, so, I mean, helicopters were just, they were just way out of the, the price range, right? So, it was really just planes or, or cars that I had the choice over. So, I bounded over to the car section and I grabbed a car off the shelf and I, and I put it on the, uh, on the counter and I was like, yeah, I'd love this. And the guy at the car, uh, at the checkout, he said, well, you know, cars are great, but they can go forward, left and right and a little bit of backwards, but planes, I mean, think of all the things you can do with a plane, right? Like, and he started talking about aerobatics and he started doing, you know, talking about all this great stuff that was more dynamic than a car. And he talked me into buying a plane and that's, that's how we got started. So, so I started off with um, a Cox 049 PT-19, which is a line controlled plane that just goes in circles around you. Yeah. And um, we had no joy with that because it had this 049 motor that we could never get to run. And then um, eventually graduated to a to a forty size trainer, and yeah, from there the you know the rest is history. So I've been flying planes since I was about six. Um, I was very lucky that I had a really awesome airplane uh, club just down the road from me because uh, we lived on a on a farm. And um, yeah, I just I haven't looked back, and 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 I've kind of gone in and out of the hobby since then, like a lot since then. So in my teens, I kind of gave it away because. 
you know, as a teenager, girls. I just kind of find more interesting things. Yeah. <laughs> girls and boobs. You're, um, you're struggling with that, Andy RC, and your teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> and then I uh, and then I came back to it for a bit, and then um, you know, then I left it again. Like uh, when I joined Hobby King, um, I got right into it. But then, making your hobby your work, you kind of like lose the passion, I guess. Um, but I've been with Hobby King now for about seven or eight years, and I've come back into to planes. And actually, I'm probably like right into it right now because my office isn't in the same um, office as the research and design guys, which means I don't get to see the stuff every day. Um, my new role is more like just looking at numbers on a screen, which is awesome for me because it means I'm like kind of removed from the, from the products on a day-to-day basis, which means that when I play with them on the weekends or, or at night when I'm working on them, it's like it's a real novelty, right? <laughs> so um, yeah. so actually I've, I've started building Balsa models again uh, just from kits and um, installing nitro and petrol motors in them. That's really cool. I haven't done that in such a long time. We've been so focused on foamies for the last five years, getting to play with that other stuff, which is much more intricate. Um, yeah, it's just been a real godsend for me. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story. I, I, I have a similar sort of you know um, thing flying since I was about eight years old and, yeah, come, come in and out of it. Never made it CEO. Well, actually... Actually, I was going to announce the other day on Facebook that uh, I was going to announce myself as the CEO of Andy RC. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, that, that's, that's a pretty cool story. Thanks. Thanks you can be CEO of Let's Join Out if you want. Uh, I'll think about it, Jack. <laughs> some admi- some Don't want admi- that resume. <laughs> so... Uh, is it, is it uh, the sort of scale bolster things you're into at the moment, or do you like to do FPV? Uh, or are you wearing no, socks and sandals? That's what he's asking. Show us your face. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't say scale. Like, I, I do like scale. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm more sort of into sport models. And um, at the moment, I've got this um, this weird fetish with, like, these 80s sports models. So you guys used to have this company called Precedent in, in the UK, and they did this uh, plane called the Funfly. I had the and, Precedent uh, Funfly. That was my first yeah. plane. Yeah, so that's what I'm building at the moment, just because they're they're super cool and they're really versatile, and you could just throw them in the car and go. Are and they still going? Like kind precedent? of like futuristic look to them. What's that? Are they still going? Precedent. No, no, I, mean, I, I I got I got some plans of uh, the plans. Groups. Yeah, Is the yeah, fun yeah. fly the one with the flaps? <laughs> uh, I had I had that one. Precedent. Yeah, no, not the one I'm building. Uh, mine's just got oversized ailerons. But, yeah, it's it's good. It's really – and that smell of the glue and bolster and, you know, it just brings, like, so much, so many memories. Yeah. So. Can yeah. I ask you about one of your products that I've always wanted to know? Do you sure. purposely make this smell nice or uh, – and is it wrong to drink it? <laughs> <laughs> like, this smells so nice and fruity. The you kick it smells nice, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Accelerator. It is so. Is it? Is it bad I to breathe in? I don't know why they do that. Um, oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I agree with you. It does smell really good, though. Like sitting here and sniffing it. It's weird. Very weird. As your pupils dilate from the. Some of the. <laughs> some of these. Some of these late night phone calls I get off Jack are starting to make sense now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Jack, you're on the kicker again. I go to Hobby King. I'm like, I've ordered a load of kicker. I'm like, why aren't any of these cold? 
<laughs> oh my god! Come over to my house and get on the kicker. Should we let? Toby? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I know. Get on, get on the old kicker. Uh, Toby, it was amazing to have you on. I would have spoke more, but the guys just love talking to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you do move time zones, give us a shout. You got our email, and we'll have you back on. Um, but we love to, you know, we've gone to our hour slot, and we'd love to get you to go sleep and have some rest. <laughs> yeah, really... Thanks guys. Look, um, I, thanks for inviting me on because um, one thing that was glaringly obvious to me when I first took this role was that uh, Hobby King is too much of a closed shop. So um, they're, they're, we're not transparent enough with how we deal with uh, the public. And that was really hit home to me when I, when I was chatting to you guys at the UK event and uh, I won't say who, but, but one of you guys was really, really enthusiastic about um, me coming on board and, and you spoke about all the, the, the pros. And, um, and I really got the sense that there's this kind of like, um, there's this willingness that the community wants us to succeed. You know, I think a, a strong hobby king is good for the hobby because, you know, we were one of the first companies to really lower prices to the point where it kind of democratized the hobby. It took it out of that like expensive elitist category um, where the every man could get in. And we use the, the term every man at work a lot um, because that that's like our ideal customer, right? It's just the every person. So, um, yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to get the message out there more. I'd love to come on more. If people do have any specific questions for me, uh, we've got a forum on our own site uh, and there's a little section there called Talk to Toby. Um, you're more than welcome to pop a question in there and um, I'll reply as quickly as I can. If you, after this, you can post the link in the uh, description and chat if you want on, on once this video goes up. So that'll be quite a good thing to do. And yeah, awesome. um, I remember the first interview with Flight Test, how like, you know, Hobby King's not, we're the king of hobbies. It's we make you the king of your hobby. You yeah, know? yeah. So I, I remember that and it, it allowed me and scrubs like Andy RC here, except you banned him. Um, <laughs> you yeah, know, to get into the hobby. Man, by the way. Yeah, we would Shall I explain what happened before we go? It's like, yeah. it's like. Oh, um, look at you. Give, do you sell shovels on Hobby King? Dig out the hole. Carry on, Andy. Uh, I just had I just had one bad experience and it was in 2012, so that so it's going but so it was before quads existed. I bought um, it was a, a helicopter, uh, like one of the first mini ones with the fly barless and stuff like that, and it it never turned up, just never came for, for and I could it must have just gotten lost and me being me and it being my very first purchase overseas actually um yeah i and i i think i raised the paypal dispute and they and uh they they closed my account until i would reopen the paper uh, close the paypal dispute anyways i got i did get my money back but um yeah I, it was just that it was just a, i bought from hobby king since and and that was it oh, really. I'm, I'm not I'm not bad. There's, there's been some appalling um, policies that have gone through our customer service channel, like particularly five or six years ago, there were some really appalling ones. So there was this one where, um, I mean, mistakes happen. Like we're shipping tens of thousands of products, uh, tens of thousands of orders every day. So mistakes are going to happen, right? And um, occasionally uh, someone would, would get a box and something wasn't inside it. 
So they'd complain to customer service, and our customer service team would say, hey, can you send us a photo of the missing part? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I've Which is just like, like, it just makes your mind boggle. Anyway, so um, so that was like a random policy that was, that that originated from just this employee who obviously just wasn't thinking about it. And to give you, to put in perspective, we've got over 200 people just in customer service. So, um. Yeah, it was difficult to find out who came up with this policy and how it managed to find its way into our customer service manual. But once we did, it, it got weeded out and uh, and it's no longer the case. But um, that was a really good example of some really shithouse service. Um, and yeah, we, we're, we're definitely taking steps to, to not do that again. That's good. Because that's, that's kind of my example. I got all upset. I got a big... Uh, plane. It was the the Buffalo FX seventy nine, great big two meter wing, and it had this one capacitive nut that goes in the wing join and missing. Mm. And so I said, "This is missing. Can you can you get me one?" And they said, "No. Send the plane back, and we'll send you a replacement." And I was like, "This is this box is this big, and I just yeah. and one the cost of nut. sending it back would just be extraordinary." Yeah, I was like, "Can you not open a box and send me the nut from that box?" And yeah, and uh, I mean, ironically, I just. I sent one email to Zeta Science who make it, and they sent me it, uh, which kind of upset me at the time. But uh, it's good to hear yeah. that things are changing, and you've weeded out well, the bad ideas. I mean, <laughs> stuff like that. I, I, I can almost, I can almost isolate why it happened. Um, so we used to have this massive customer service team in the Philippines, which, I mean, those guys worked really, really hard, but none of them were modelers. So when someone would ring up and say. I'm missing a four by ten uh, uh, hex head screw. They go, oh well, I'll have to send them a whole new model, so I'll need the old model back. Um, and that, I mean, that's just—it just doesn't make any sense, right? So um, one of the first things that I did when I took over customer service in 2013 was I started a, a New York customer service team, and, and they're all modelers. So there's about 20 or 30 guys in that office, and. Um, all of these guys have like years and years and years of experience. So when you contact them and you say, I'm missing a screw or I'm missing this nut, they'll just send you the screw or they'll just send you the nut. They're not going to ask you to return the entire box. Um, but yeah, that was that was a big deal for us because some of the customer service claims coming through, or some, of the, some of the experiences I was reading online of people's customer service experiences were just terrible um, and, and frankly embarrassing. Well, that's great that that has been addressed and... Uh... Yeah, it's a work in progress. I wouldn't say we're perfect yet. We've still got a long way to go, I think. Great. No, that's great. Thanks for uh, answering those questions. So, are we are we ready to wrap up, guys? Yep. No worries. We will be on Patreon with uh, our bonus pod after this. So, if you guys like to go over to the Patreon, the links in the chat. And we will be chatting for another hour after that to to say thank you for all the lovely Patreons that help support and keep this show alive. Um, we, tonight we have been joined by Andrew Slash Frank. Goodbye. Uh, the not so hated by Hobby King anymore, <laughs> Andy RC. Good evening, everyone. You're still Northern though, so there's nothing we can do about that. Uh, we've been joined by Toby. See you guys. Thank you very much, man. Stay in touch. We're here if you need us. Um, 
Also, feel free to look up Andy RC's address and send him calls <laughs> poo from Hobby King as a sort of, you know, that's what you get. Uh, there's your paper. full of bad lipos. That's it. I would like to apologise on the behalf of me and Wayne for stealing your Hobby King uh, vehicle. Shh, he doesn't know anything about it. <laughs> he does. He <laughs> so does. <laughs> Gareth from uh, Galaxy Hobby is probably grasped on us. Uh, have you not seen that video? No. No, he looks confused. <laughs> You're just dreaming this now. Don't worry about it. I've been on the kitchen again. Did you guys uh, steal the Range Rover? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not stealing if you bring it back again afterwards. Yeah. It's tonking, taking without asking. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, curry kitten. Goodbye. And I've been Jack, Bright Until I Fly. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good evening. Remember, we are on Patreon. $3 or more, you can watch a bonus show. Good night. Bye. Telemetry lost. Hey, guys, it's Jack here. Big, massive shout-out to our Patreons. So these guys are the guys who donate for the editing, and they really do make a huge difference to keep the show alive. Uh... We've been sponsored by Art Faulkner, Ferdy Evers, Mikey Dredd, and Underfluke. These guys are absolute legends. Thank you so much, and see you next show.